WTF1 presents Hot Takes Wednesday. Hello and welcome back to Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm your friendly neighbourhood host, Dre Harrison. It's the show with your hot takes and our even hotter opinions. And once again, I'm very, very lucky to have a very special guest with us here. You might know him from Formula 2, from IMSA, from the World of the World Endurance Championship over in sports car racing. Welcome to the show, Louis Delatraz. Welcome to Hot Takes Wednesday, my friend. How are you? Hello, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm great. Very good. Thank you. Good to be here. Pleasure to have you on, my friend. And uh, yeah, I, I love having a good guest on to talk about the uh, the world of F1, the world of motorsport in general. No better opinion to a guy that was, that was on the ladder. And you know, a bit of variance as well, given you came, or you know, say not so much that you came, but now you're in the world of sports car racing. What's that been like now, juggling IMSA and the WEC? Um, and how's the transition been from single seat racing over to sports cars? Because it's obviously two, two completely different disciplines. It's it's very different, and it's still driving a car to its full limits and, and winning <laughs> races. But uh, no, it's great. I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm loving it right now. Uh, I had my time in Formula 2 in single seaters, but obviously you can't go forever in that. And uh, yeah, sports cars racing is really good. And I really think a lot of people should, uh, should watch it because it's uh, really interesting. Give me the pitch for single seat fans out there to give endurance racing, to give sports car racing a go. Cause it's one of those series that I know if you give it a chance to WC, WBC, it's very, very watchable. And the action I think is, is often just as good, if not better than F1, especially given from my experiences, as I came from an F1 background myself, a lot of fans could often find their races boring. So Give me the elevator pitch. <laughs> Why should all people watch sports car racing? <laughs> I really believe that endurance racing has like had major upgrades last few years. Uh, the new regulation with hypercars came in. A lot of manufacturers moved in with Ferrari, Porsche, BMW. I mean, Cadillac, Acura. There's probably like there's more manufacturers than Formula One actually in it. Absolutely, yeah. And you have also different categories with LMP2s and GDs. There's basically two races in one race. A lot of traffic. Uh, we are all racing each other quite hard, even though it's six hour, eight hours or 24 hour race. And I have to say with the, the Netflix effect, Formula One grew a lot, but also endurance racing. And, and in the end, when you first of all watch it right now, if you want to attend an event in real life, endurance racing is much cheaper and you can actually get close to the car, close to the drivers. And, and it's big, big family and still very high level, but um, much easier to get close to than on Formula One. So I love F1 and I love endurance and I would really recommend to watch both. I'm glad we're one of these people that actually has an appreciation for both rather than it be so territorial about it being one or the other. Because I know that comes up an awful lot, especially you're on social media. I'm sure you've seen fans yes. in your mentions debate, you know, oh, F1's better. Oh, no, sports car superior. No, like, there is more than enough room at this table for everybody to eat. That's how I look at it. Exactly. There is enough space for everyone and it's fantastic. Both, I mean, all championships are fantastic. Um, I'm a big fan of everything. I try to watch as much as I can. And uh, I really like, I find myself in endurance right now. I think when you cannot make it to F1, uh, for whatever the reasons are, if you're good enough, you will find a factory seat in, in endurance and, uh, or in America and IndyCar. And you have really enough uh, championships for everyone to be happy and we should really enjoy it. Absolutely. Also, one more thing I wanted to ask you before we really get into the nitty and gritty of the show, because one of my friends asked me about this. Like, you're one of the few people that have been able to test a single seat car with and without the halo that we've been able to talk to on this show. 
And I've always been curious. I've never been able to ask someone that's, you know, had the experience of going up the ladder and going through that transitionary period of visibility without it and then with it. So, like, what's the difference been like for you as a, as a Formula Two, as a former Formula Two driver with them without the halo? I'm, I'm very curious about that. Actually, you know, it's funny because um, when I was doing GP2, I had no halo. Then they introduced it with the new F2 chassis. Mm. And I was completely against it. And wow. I'm not going to hide it. I was like, no, it's ugly. It does nothing. Blah, blah. You know, the, the 80% reaction of people, I think, that was wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was wrong. And I think, you know, I'm happy to admit it today that I'm really thankful we have it. Uh, there has been many proofs of why it was needed. And I think for me, the most uh, impressive is the one of Grosjean when Roma had his crash in Bahrain. I'm, oh, yeah. I mean, we don't know, but probably he wouldn't be with us uh, today if he didn't have the ALO. And there was many other examples with, uh, with Max and Lewis and all those things. So I'm, I'm really for it. I think FA did a great job with it and I thank them because I'm my personal opinion and it was wrong initially was I was against it. Visibility, to be honest with you, my first test in F2, first few laps, it, it looks weird. It's like you put your finger close to your to your yeah. eyes. You see kind of double because you actually look at it. But when you drive, go out of the pits, one lap, it disappears because you look far away and your eyes kind of cancels it. So gone, gone, oh. more safety, better for everyone. Oh, so, so you, 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 your eyes just like naturally adjust to it over time then? Just the first time you're sitting, it's awkward. You don't know how to go in. You don't know from, you go head first, feet first, whatever. <laughs> but uh, but um, yeah, then we all got used to it. And it really took me, I think, I remember the first test, it was me and Antonio Fuoco. We were teammates at, at Chariots that time. And uh, I got I got out in to check the car. And first thing he came to me, like, how is it? And I was like, oh, I, I forgot about it. It's gone. Because you look, when you're sitting in the race car, you look far. You look at the next corner, at the apex or at the brake zone, but like two, 300 meters away. So it, with the eye, it kind of cancels. It's the same as you put your finger and you look far away, it disappeared. Brilliant, brilliant. I, I, was, I was very curious about that level of insight. And, I'm, and, you know, I was in the same camp as you. I was one of these F1 fans. It's all about the aesthetic and all about the look. And I thought, well, this isn't going to solve anything. And then you actually see it in action and you see what it's done in incidents, like you said, like with Grosjean. I remember I've seen incidents like where Kimi Räikkönen and Alonso in, in, in Austria, they're yes. on top of each other. And uh, we've, had a, we've had a handful of near misses that could have potentially been fatal with, uh, without it. So you're, I think I'm, I'm right with you on that one. I was, I was like, seeing is believing in, in exactly. every sense. No, I'm very happy that it's on now and I think it's a good thing. Just before we get into the main action, I want to talk to you a little bit quickly about F1 Clash. Have you always wanted to experience what it's like to be a team principal and make the big calls in F1 itself? Look no further than F1 Clash. It's the number one mobile F1 management game where you're in charge. Create your own F1 team and employ the best strategy to reach the top of the podium. You can compete in PvP races against players from all over the world or join a club and work together to earn prizes as a team. What sets F1 Clash apart from other F1 games is that it offers daily snackable competition that's easy to pick up on the play on the go. It's easy to learn but provides plenty of depth for strategy, making it enjoyable for both casual and hardcore players. The game allows you to play however you like, whether you want to deep dive into the intricacies of F1 racing or enjoy a simple, more casual experience. The possibilities are endless and every strategic decision you make has the potential to influence the race result. 
F1 Clash is constantly improving and finding new ways to make the game more exciting and authentic, thanks to our dedicated community of engaged players who help us create the best possible experience. So, what are you waiting for? Join the F1 Clash community today and progress while competing in the ultimate introduction to F1 racing. Now we've got the friendlies out of the way, um, let's get into Hot Takes Wednesday. For those who don't know, because every podcast is someone's first, you, the fine WTF1 audience, have sent us and Louis questions um, or takes, I should say, regarding the world of Formula One in general. Um, so we've picked a few of them out for me and Louis to go back and forth one um, over the next 30, 40 minutes or so. And uh, we're going to score them on a scale of one to five. One being that we strongly disagree with them and five being that we strongly agree with them. If we both agree on a one or a five, it will go into our special vault at the end of the season for the hottest and coldest takes of 2023. That'll be coming at the end of the season in December. So, Louis, are you ready to go for Hot Takes Wednesday? I'm ready. Let's do this. Okay, take number one is from Jacob on Twitter. And I think Jacob is a sports car fan, given the subject matter here. Jacob says, F1 should not ban tire warmers or blankets. It's way too dangerous. Will be way too many crashes, especially after the WEC race at Spa. Now, we've got someone who watches both. I like that. Um, now, of course, congratulations. You, you, you were, we won in your class in that MP2 at, at Spa with, with WRT. So, um, obviously, a tremendous result there. And I know from reading the news that there's been a lot of talk and back and forth discussions about tire blankets being banned in 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 the wec i know they're coming back as a, i think it's a one-off for Le Mans. Yes, for Le Mans for now yes yeah for um later late, late next month but um they're generally been just been banned in the wec and there's talk about potentially banning them in f1 you know better than most you're a man who's driven against single seaters and sports cars i'm gonna go with you on this one i'm deferring to you so how do you feel about having been on both sides of the fence and now having experienced it um how do you feel about racing without tire blankets do i start by the note or just uh, by explaining i'll <laughs> oh, just explain first we can, you can go we can go for the numbers at the end it's so, fine i'd love, love to hear your take on it so basically i think there is a um a few things to take in account in this. Mm. I've raced both. I've raced single seaters without terra warmer because all the other world series, uh, Formula Two, GP Two has no terra warmers and and it works. Mm. Um, I've raced also prototypes with and without. And I have to say, in LMP Two this year in WEC um, with the Goodyear tire, we don't struggle. We go out of the pits. The first lap, you lose three, four seconds. It's okay. It warms up. You can still push. You have grip, which is the most important, having some grip. Mm. What I drive in IMSA for Acura in, in the hypercar, in GTP school over there, um, this, this new Michelin tire, I think, because of the weight of the cars and the power and the structure is, is stiff, the tire is stiffer, there's zero grip. So basically, from different tires, different cars, it can go from being completely safe to completely unsafe. So I have no idea what the Pirelli would be like in the Formula mm. 1. This is an issue because if you make a tire for it, it's fine. If you have a tire that does not work under a certain level of temperature, it will be dangerous, will be unsafe, like it was a bit in Spy for Hypercars. But for us, in Spy was absolutely fine. So it will all depend on how is the tire and, and, and yeah, how is the tire built and how are the... Because if we keep the same tire without blankets, then probably there will be issues for sure. 
Very interesting indeed, because um, look, we 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 never go too far when it comes to F1 discussion without a discussion about tires, because they've been they trying all sorts of experiments. We've tried sprints of different allocations. Their hard tire is is often very conservative. Um, like, so, are you, do you think it's going to more come down to how the manufacturer, in this case Pirelli in F1 terms, construct their future spec of tires? Because it seems like a big transition to suddenly go without blankets. If you take this current tire, okay, I haven't, I mean, I drove them last time, uh, yeah, an F1 in 2021, I think it was. So, oh, sorry, 2019. Oh, but, wow, um, further back. <laughs> but it was, and then F2 was also 2020, so it's like mm. quite far back. Uh, so I have no clue how the period tire evolved right now. I, I just tested the F1 quite recently with Pirelli, but like, if you take the current tire and we see winter testing when it was in Barcelona a few years back, you could see those drivers spinning around and um, it was dangerous, even though they had uh, blankets. I think it will not work. But if Pirelli is able to make a good tire, then there will be no issue. No one will be complaining. And this will only find out. They need a lot of testing because I'm against a tire who is just undrivable. Like on in the hypercars, when it's cold, in winter testing, we go in December, we lose 25 seconds of laps, and you, you just don't want to go on power. And the amount of cars that were destroyed and that, I mean, in the end you want to save, yes, um, energy and pollu less pollutions, like not having to have warmers, but then you crash cars. In the end, not really better. <laughs> I'm for it if we have good tires, I'm against it if the tires are unsafe. Three to five seconds loss on outlap is fine. 25 is not fine. 25 seconds on an outlap that is that is actually immense i didn't realize that the the level of performance difference was so massive yeah and i think formula will be if if the tire is too stiff what happens is the tire is too stiff and then the moment you apply power there there's no grip it's like you apply power on ice and it just snaps i mean f1 has a thousand horsepower mm. um they, they combine the tires the only thing that is in contact with the ground so you need a good tire. It's just so important. And also you need to, to think that it needs to work in all conditions because you might race in uh, Abu Dhabi, Bahrain, and you're never going to struggle with it. Um, then I don't know, it could be somewhere Silverstone. Not, maybe not this year. Silverstone is generally hot. But <laughs> yeah. you have races where it can be cold. It can be Absolutely. 10 degrees, 15 degrees, 5 degrees, and wet and rain. And then it's a big issue because the tire is out of the window and unsafe to drive. So it's a big task for a tire manufacturer to, to make it work, especially with cars that are so quick because the tires need to be stiff to support them. Very much so. I mean, a very complicated thing to do. I do not envy Pirelli if, if the sport is pushing to go without tire blankets because it seems like there's a very narrow operating window to be able to make this work. Exactly. And I think that drivers like, I like cold tires because I think it adds something to your skills. Like you can make a difference between drivers. You will see more mistakes. You will see uh, drivers make going one or two seconds quicker on outlaps. Often now you see on strategy in Formula One, it's only on pure grip and undercut or overcut by one lap. Um, with cold tires, basically it might be worth to stay out longer because you know your opponent will lose time on the two outlaps and, and you will be ahead of him. So it will change things. And as a driver, you can really go two or three seconds quicker than another one who doesn't have the confidence. Um, so I'm for that, 
but only with a terror that works. With a terror that doesn't work, I can guarantee you it's a nightmare. <laughs> I can only imagine. Give me a number before we move on, Louis. How do you feel? One being strongly disagree, five being you strongly agree. I will, I will completely lead into your I will put a your three. knowledge. A free, a free. He sat on the because fence. it depends on how good the tire is. <laughs> that, that's a completely fair point. I mean, uh, we normally are quite uh, critical of people that pick the number three because we think it's a bit of a cop out. But uh, <laughs> I, no, no, I, I'm I, not I... copying out. I would, if you guarantee me a tire that works on outlaps and that has no grip issue, I give you a five. I agree. Mm. I mean, I, I, the question was mm. for it or not for um, it. Banning it, so not banning it. So, no, so one, then I, around. yeah, we yeah. should not ban it. Anymore. If the tire works, if the tire doesn't work, we should ban it 100%. <laughs> I love that he gave me two different answers, but we'll go with yeah. it anyway. I love it. Uh, okay. Take number two comes from Toby Reynolds. And Toby says F1 should introduce bonus points to races, quality, and sprints, whether that be for overtakes, driver of the day, most positions gained, biggest improvement, or other measures. This could be especially beneficial for sprint races. So we're going to open Pandora's box with the race format and just start giving out points for everything. You know, we've already got fastest lap. We've got sprints. And we're now talking maybe overtakes, positions gained. I mean, Louis, you've been, again, you, you've been around. You've had a lot of different formats and scoring systems. I know F2 obviously was the, the real bringers of the of the reverse grids and sprint races and whatnot so how would you feel about going even further on um on where we're giving points out to i don't agree on putting points for everything because i think performance should always be rewarded and uh like adding things like uh overtakes or best performance is very like best performance is very subjective mm. um, you could be a fan of lewis and say it but i give the point to lewis or you could be a fan of max and give it to max so how do you judge that um and then overtakes poor max is on pole all the time he will never get the point for that and uh, if you're in the front it's harder to overtake that if you're in the rear i think this is a bit tricky um mm. fastest lap is i think worth it um yeah. sprint races yes but i wouldn't put too complicated things because indian people commit and spend money in formula one to win and not to just score points and give points away for whatever i that's my opinion yeah, I, I generally agree with you on that. Um, I, I completely agree on driver of the day not being scored because that is basically a popularity contest. It's a very subjective thing. I wasn't a fan of, like, for example, when Formula E brought in Fan Boost, mm-hmm. and it, it it became a game very quickly where the same four or five drivers would get the Fan Boost every race. It yes. was, and like that at that point, it's, it's a genuine competitive advantage that is just not fair. Um. Again, most positions gained. If you're a top tier car, maybe you have a bad qualifying session and you start from the back of the grid, like you're going to get a whole heap of points for positions gained potentially or for overtakes. Like, again, that could be if you're a dominant car like Red Bull is right now, for example, and you started from the back of the grid, you could actually be set to gain even more points. Well, look at the, I'm sure you saw Saudi Arabia, right, Louis, when, yes, when yes. Verstappen started from 15th and he ended up second by half distance. <laughs> it's a bit unfair, that, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah, bigger advantage for sure. I totally agree with you on, on the fanbus thing, where also it leads then to things like, I'm pretty sure, and we will never know, but as you said, it was always the four, five same drivers uh imagine i'm from switzerland there's what seven million people 
Mm. But then you have a guy coming from Brazil, and I don't know the population, but it's definitely more than seven million. It's, it's a lot more. For America, seven. 350 million. Uh, like, first of all, you're game over on this for me, or for mm. whichever driver is from a small country. Uh, and second thing was there was people having bots. Uh, teams, as it became a competitive advantage, would start trying to not hack, but play with the results. Oh, yeah. It was a pretty simple vote thing. So it was easy to buy bots and get 5,000 votes for yourself. And then suddenly your drivers would be first and second. And I think we don't want that in F1 either. No. Um, and indeed, overtakes are important. I would maybe reward it more with prize money. Uh, maybe prize money for a driver does the most overtake because in the end, uh, money matters to everyone, I think, in this sport. That could and, work. and I'm pretty sure if you had an incentive, more people will defend or actually try to overtake. Because we saw for me Verstappen coming back in... In Miami as well, quite from yeah. nine, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. No one defended unless Perez. They all let yeah. him by. Yeah, they were like. And I think it's not really not because they know they're gonna lose the long game. But I don't agree with this. Like it's an F1 race. We should fight. You never know what's gonna happen. Like we fight on twenty four hours, so they should fight for one and a half hour at least. Mm. Now you came from F two and you came from a sprint race background because obviously Formula Two has, has had that format for years and years. Are you generally a fan of the sprint race in Formula One? And if if you are, or if not, was there anything you do to tweak it? Because I'm, I'm fascinated about drivers and other F1 personalities because they seem to be very split on it. I, I don't mind uh, sprint races. Um, I don't think it changes much, to be honest. Um, actually, maybe a reverse rate in Formula Two was was nice, uh, but the difference I think with F1 is there's car differences. In F2, we all had the same car, so it actually made really close racing mm. if you put the red bull 10th now they will still probably finish first and second so <laughs> it will make some show but again i think people won't fight because they know they, they have more to lose than, than to win so i have a feeling we always expect amazing races and it's impossible to have 24 fantastic races we have to also sometimes settle down to yeah it's a track hard to overtake but it's like it is and we will not always we will be disappointed sometimes so sprint races i'm, I'm okay with that Flavor is in full bloom at HelloFresh. Enjoy the tastes of spring with chef-crafted recipes featuring ripe, seasonal ingredients delivered right to your door. HelloFresh does more than just delicious dinners. Not only can you take your pick from 40 weekly recipes, but you can choose from over 100 items to round out your order, from snacks and easy lunches to desserts and pantry necessities. Everything arrives in one box on the delivery day you choose. When the spring sunshine is calling your name, don't call for takeout, get HelloFresh instead. Their quick and easy meals make feeding the family a cinch, and without the high price tag. Their new fast and fresh options are ready in just 15 minutes or less. No worries if you're not a pro in the kitchen. I'm certainly not. HelloFresh's foolproof recipes arrive pre-portioned and easy to prepare in just a few steps. The first meal I made was the Thai-inspired chicken breast and noodle stir-fry with carrot ribbons, sugar snaps and sesame seeds. Let me tell you, it was so easy to put together and so tasty. So what are you waiting for? Try it for yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com WTF16 and use code WTF16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com WTF16 and use code WTF16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Generally speaking, going back to Toby's take for a second here, overall, I like the scoring system how it is. I, I, I like it 
where it is right now. I maybe points for for pole position. I wouldn't be mm-hmm. I wouldn't be massively against that. I know I some think- series do, some don't. I know Formula E does, Formula One doesn't. For it, for instance, IndyCar, for example, has a point for pole position. You know, you, you could make an argument either way, and I'd largely be fine with it. I think when you're going into overtakes, um, driver of the day positions gained, I think that's when you're going a little bit too far for me because I think that's when you start making performance not as important. And I don't, I wouldn't want that sort of intangibles to potentially affect a championship. So for me, given I also agree with your last sentence saying that it could be beneficial for sprint races, there's something you could experiment with a bit more. I'm going to say three on this. I think I think there is room to tweak, and I think there is room where you can make some improvements on this. Um, and I'd be okay with some minor adjustments here and there, but maybe not overall. Louis, how do you feel about it? I would go up with two, because I agree there is a bit of room to maybe pole position. I think his performance and getting a pole is, is always tough, and, and you should deserve it, uh, at least a point. But uh, I wouldn't tweak the system too much. The current points for me work really well. The 10, 8, 6 that we use, I don't know how long ago it stopped, but the old point system of F1 was maybe not enough. Yeah, oh, long time. Long time ago. Um, <laughs> but uh, mostly I wouldn't give away points for everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that overall. Like, I could certainly see the argument. I was thinking about going to, but I thought the way it was worded, maybe threes a bit more generous. Um. Kieran on Twitter, um, slash Mega, not not that, not not other Kieran. <laughs> just, 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 we've got a few Kierans at tweeting. Um, this take number three says the super license system does not need to change. It is as it is doing what it is intended to do. This is a controversial one. <laughs> the super license system does not need to change as it is doing what it is intended to do. Now. Again, I've got the perfect man to ask about this. Uh, you're you're a man, Louis, that was on that F2 ladder, obviously trying to get into F1. You're around when the super license system changed to the points we now know about, where you need you need forty to get into Formula One over a three year period. I think it's three and twenty twenty now counts as extra because of the pandemic, obviously. Um, how did you feel about that system when you were trying to get in through the ladder? Because obviously. It was controversial, and um, you know there will always be arguments about the sport being a meritocracy. So, how did you feel about it? I felt quite honestly, there was a good thing to get a super license, something that you need to earn to go to Formula One. Right now, is not so much a problem anymore. But pay drivers was a big thing, especially when I was in F two in eighteen, nineteen, and and you want drivers with merit to go in F one, not not with money. I think there is drivers with money that are very good about saying that but there was maybe a bit a few examples of uh, people going into teams and they would probably be a different driver as money was not involved so i i like super license i think how the points are awarded can change because if you take it how it's graded f2 f3 and even f4 get a lot of points which are all fi championships indycar with colton herda for me is a bit of a is a bit of a joke because i think Maybe Colton is not will not arrive in Formula One and win a world championship. But Colton is very talented. And to get denied a Formula One seat as a driver just because you don't have enough points. Well, actually he did good results and the only fact he doesn't have points because IndyCar scores very little. 
And I mean, I've seen it, I've heard it. You can ask any driver in the car, it's probably as hard and as competitive as Formula One. Um, so I have a feeling when the point system was in place initially, there was still the World Series by Ronald, the former Road to Leader. Those championships, which are as competitive as GP3 and GP2, didn't get as much points. And they were not FIA championships. So I feel like there is a bit of a, you need to go through all other, through F3 and F2 to go to F1. And I think that's not really nice because uh, also F3 and F2 is very expensive. Not everyone can afford it. Absolutely. And you should allow drivers from different series if a team wants to sign them to be signed, if they're good. So I believe IndyCar should score as much points as Formula 2 at least. That's oh. my opinion. You hit the nail on the head that I was because I was going to ask you if you knew about the Colton Herta situation from last year because that that was it, it was it was a bar fight on Twitter where people were debating about what, whether Colton was good enough to get into F one because I, I'm, I'm sure you know and if the, if the listeners don't know, IndyCar does pay out the maximum forty for for a super license but only if you're champion compared to F2, where you could be in the top three and you get the same 40 points for an automatic super license. So there's, I mean, I'm, I'm going to assume, given how you met, you talked about it, you probably weren't a fan of the politics. I mean, it's understandable to a degree that the FIA would, you know, favour their own ladder system and their own road to F1 as they delicately market it. But I f I'm, I'm completely with you. I'm like, I'm sure you watch IndyCar and obviously you've seen people like Colton perform and Alex Polo, who's also got a super license because he, he won the series a couple of years ago. Those guys could easily be F1 level standard, you, you'd think, right? Because I certainly think they do. Hmm. I'm, I'm sure there is a lot of, not only IndyCar, but also um, when you look Formula E, you need 20 super license points to actually be racing Formula E. And you have very good drivers who got stopped from testing or from doing opportunities because they never raced in F3 or in F2. And I got lucky. I did many years there. I had good background, good support, and I had the result. I got my super license. Okay, I never used it, but I got it. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, for me, it was never an issue because I had the paper. I had it signed. I had my meeting with FIA, and it was always, always clear. Mm. But I feel like exceptions are not good i'm not a fan of exception because when you give one exception then well what does it mean because again probably with money and politics we can get through it absolutely yeah it opens but the floodgates for everybody the point system point. could be tweaked i think it's very good that f2 and f2 is the main ladder they made it really well with f4 f3 f2 because it's very clear to people there's not what series v8 formula Renault 2 liter formula bmw all those old series mm. that are not there anymore it's much easier for people to understand but I, I really think that you should score more points in, and be allowed to score more points in different championships too. If if you were in charge, if you were Mohamed Ben Sulaim in charge of the FIA right now, how would you tweak it? So would you be giving more to IndyCar or Super Formula? Super Formula IndyCar, I give more for sure. Um, I would also forbid drivers to. Uh, we've seen a few drivers going to Formula Three Asia, that were from Formula Two, to take points and get a super license. I think if you're an F2, you should not be allowed to go back in Formula 3 Asia, which actually scored a lot of points for some reason, 20 or something. It was really a lot for a winter championship. Uh, when you're at 23, 24, with two or three years in Formula 2 at top level, you should not be allowed to go race against 16-year-old kid in Formula 3 because it's not fair and you take their points and you score points that you should not have scored. So I would get rid of these two. Uh, I'm really not a fan because I think it takes opportunities away. And... Uh, and yeah, but I would definitely keep the system because it's important. I, at least maybe now not because the sport is very healthy, 
uh, but in a few years, you never know what happens, and you don't want people to just go in and and buy their city. Yeah, I, f- I think we've been very spoiled in the last few years of the amount of talent that Formula One has had come through that are young in the last few years. You, you, you go back as far as Verstappen, Leclerc, Norris, Russell. I mean, you raced against some of these people, you yeah. know, firsthand, just how Most good some of these guys are. Both together. Those years were crazy. It was amazing. The, the level of drivers was amazing. Mm. Yeah, so we, we've been we've been spoiled in recent years, but these things go in cycles. You never know where the next star talent could come from. It could be five years away, it could be ten years away. We just don't know. Politics plays a hand in things. I think personally, overall, I think the super license system is largely okay. I still I agree with you. I think other series should be given a little bit more prevalence i'm not saying take points off f2 because you, you've got your own oh, feeder series sure. mm-hmm. you know and that and it's clearly worked given the guys that are in formula one are generally outstanding it's so it's so talented guys like mick schumacher are two and done in f1 and he was an f2 champion who won it in his second year and it, it, it goes to show you how ruthless this sport can be so i think on that standpoint i think it does actually work for the most part but i, I would I but I would tweak it a little bit to maybe give some more to other feeder series outside of the FIA. If you really, if you really do believe you want the 20 best drivers in the world to be on your grid, open the door to everybody a little bit more and give them all a chance to compete. And then maybe that'll encourage F1's team bosses to start looking outside the nest a little bit more because it's all left too. I mean, let's be honest, Colton Herter got that, F1 opportunity potentially with Toro Rosso because their academy wasn't ready yet. Um, <laughs> and I think that's also a big, a big part of the problem. Um, but how would you score the take then, Louis? Uh, like, because the Super Latin system does not need to change as it's doing as it's intended to do. I know how I'm feeling about this. How do you feel about it on a scale? I would give a, a four with a tweak for the other championships. A bit less politics, put it this way. I agree. Four, I, I think four's right. I think it's doing what it's needed to do. I think it has thinned out a lot of the pay drivers. We're not getting any of the absolute howlers anymore of, you know, guys that are completely unserious that just happen to get into F1 via money. I think it's generally done a good job. But I also think we've been so lucky with talent that I don't think any system <laughs> would have mattered. I think they would have all made it anyway, <laughs> to a degree. And um, you know about politics, I also think that in, in general, like we've seen the the Andretti bid with Cadillac to go to F1 to have an 11th team. And mm. I think it's part of the same. It's not super license topic, but it's also politics and it's also money related. Absolutely. And I don't see how Formula One, obviously I'm, I'm no one and I have no say in this, but uh, I don't see how F1, how it can be bad for F1 to have such a big team, such a big name. Uh, they have to budget. They are Americans. They are serious. Cadillac is, with General Motors, the biggest group in the world, I think, of, Absolutely. of ours. Uh, it cannot be bad for for them. Uh, for sure, it's not great for the ten other teams. It's more competition. Maybe you have to split the prize money a bit. But uh, I'm all in for an eleventh team. An eleventh team, and uh, I mean, yes, I am driving for a team called Wayne Taylor Racing by Andretti. Of That's course. for sure. I might be a bit biased, <laughs> but I really believe that this uh, should be possible. I don't think you know other teams should say no for. For, for money as a fan because I watch TV as a fan we should have an 11th team and I would bid on them because they have everything ready to do it everything <laughs> was was that a job pitch there to a degree Louis? just a little bit no. <laughs> I will be too old by the time they come to go to F1 but for sure if Michael calls me I will say yes <laughs> absolutely I, w- I wouldn't blame you to answer that call if Michael Andretti comes knocking um, but I, for what it's worth 
I completely agree with you. I would. I have a super it. license for reminder, Michael. Yeah, just, 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 just again, just, just, just elevate a pitch. You know, like I said earlier, you know, just, just keep it in mind. Uh, <laughs> take number four comes from Ralph Me Down on Instagram, and Ralph says, uh, "Hey, what's up? I'm new to the podcast, but my hot take for Wednesday is that Monaco should be removed from the calendar. It's only around because because of its legendary history, with the size of the cars now. I believe its driver's least favorite track." to hear your take now i don't know if you know this uh brian because you put your name on the end of the take but uh, you're talking to a man that's had multiple monaco podiums in formula <laughs> two I, i've, I've yes. got a feeling <laughs> i know where this is going in monaco you're hurting my feeling <laughs> <laughs> uh no i i i disagree i think first of all you ask any drivers on earth that drove monaco no one will tell you he hates it the racing yes it's tough to overtake not gonna mm-hmm. lie but uh, doing a lap on the limit, qualifying low fuel in the middle of the street, close to the wall, is absolutely fantastic and has nothing to compare to Baku. Baku, for me, is much worse than, than mm. Monaco. Monaco is actually an old city. You don't have 90 degrees corners. Uh, it is fantastic. I love it. And I think you won't find a driver that tells you he doesn't like it. But I, I will give it to you. Racing there is a bit boring because it's tough to overtake. Mm. Um, but Monaco is fantastic and for me, she's still the kind of Look, uh, we've had this take come up a little bit before where people have discussed me, my opinion on how I feel about Monaco as a fan. And I think they should do something a little bit different with it, maybe turn it into a bit of a timed rally. I've had that idea before because I do understand the complaints that, you know, you can't really overtake and it can be a bit processional sometimes. And I don't think it's a car size problem, Brian. I think part of that, I mean, we've had smaller F1 cars. The V8s and and the V10s were smaller cars than the hybrids we have now. And they still couldn't really pass then very much either. Not without taking a huge risk. And you drive even smaller cars around there, Lou. You drove them with F2. And again, you couldn't really pass, could you? No. Well, the thing is, you can kind of pass because everyone has the same car, first of all, 20 of the same cars. And then you have third degradation. We were splitting strategy between... Well, it was called different by them, soft and hard, basically, and we would have some drivers starting the other way, or and they would drop by the end of the race. So this makes a big uh, speed delta, and you could actually fight and stay close. But indeed, if someone defends well, you will never go by. Um, I do think that car size is, is a bit of an issue. Um, racing evolves a lot. We always say back then it was better. I think we had less overtakes back then than now, but for sure the, the sound for me was better back then. Uh, the I remember going to F1 with nine years old, like being like, "What the hell is this? <laughs> it's so loud, it's so good." Um, but I I think if you make cars smaller and lighter, it will help. Cars became generally in motorsport, not only F1, also where I race, heavier for safety, yes, but heavier is not always safer because then you hit the hard the wall harder and you slow down less. And I think I've read somewhere, I'm not sure what I'm saying right now is true, but that F1 is considering for next regulation to make cars smaller. And I think it would help a bit in Monaco. But you will never have uh, Baku five overtakes on the back straight uh, with DRS happening. This, no, agree. No, and like I said, we've got a driver on the show. They're, the driver is never going to be the one to tell me that Monaco stinks and it should be gotten rid of, especially when he's had podiums there multiple <laughs> times. Like, I, I generally, as a fan, purely as a fan, 
I wouldn't be shedding too many tears if it went away purely from an entertainment standpoint. So I've got a feeling that me and you are probably going to disagree on this one a little bit, but that's fine. But that's have you been to Monaco in real life? I haven't, unfortunately, yet. I, I wish I, I wish I could. It's on, it's on the bucket because when I was a kid, yeah. I thought it was a really cool round. Like it, it is really cool. The atmosphere there, and okay, you need to get good tickets, which now are probably insanely a high price. <laughs> uh, I have no idea, but I think they're probably very expensive looking at how one goes. But oh, yeah. um, as a driver, it's fantastic. But also the atmosphere, the city, um, it's just different. Just has this vibe that you you don't find, I think. Uh, in many places, probably like now Miami, Las Vegas will have this big kind of huge party, um, people together. Okay, maybe in America it's a bit different, but Monaco is a nice event. Yeah. But yeah, from TV standing point, I I give it to you. It's not the most yeah. Thing. So how would you score that? I mean, I, I think I can see where this is going. I would go give a one. I'm really <laughs> I don't agree. <laughs> I'm gonna go four because I'm, I'm on the other end of the scale on this one as a fan. I like I said, I wouldn't mind if they got rid of Monaco. I'm not as strongly tied to it as I was when I was growing up. But I can again I can understand if you're a driver like you completely you want to keep that because that is I can tell you that basically the first time I drove I drove an F2 car. I never have been to Monaco, but I drove half the year already in F2. I arrived in Monaco and I did my warm-up laps because we don't have the warmers. And uh, we started the first push lap. So from start finish, I arrived down to Loves, the very tight hairpin slow at the Fairmont Hotel. And I remember not like, you know, taking air. I was like, <gasps> I had to breathe because it was so intense that I forgot to breathe until and then I was probably going to die. So I had to breathe in that water. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to remember to breathe because there's so many things happening and you touch the wall, you have the sparks flying from the rim, hitting the wall in your face. It's, it's insane. It's really, as a driver, you will never take that away. You can never get that feeling, I think, somewhere else. I, I can't even begin to imagine how cool that must be. All, and also quite dangerous if you've forgotten how to breathe halfway through a hot lap. I no was completely lost. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Lo love that level of insight. Last take for the episode comes from, and I'm going to butcher this Instagram username, Riff Racecar Season, R-T-H-R-C-R-S-N on Instagram. Forgive me for not being able to pronounce it. It's it's probably one of those really short acronyms I can't read properly. That's that's my bad. But uh, you'll you'll recognize the take when I read it out. The take reads: My hot take is that Red Bull won't lose until there's a race on wet tires. That would negate the DRS advantage and cause some chaos. Red Bull has admitted a few times this year that they don't like chaos or any amount of weirdness. Rain could throw them off their game. What do you reckon, Louis? Do you do you think Red Bull might run the table this year? Oof, well, so far it looks like it. I think catching up is always difficult. Uh, we've seen it past years. Mercedes had an advantage. No one really came back. Well, Red Bull did actually, but it took them three years, two years. Um, I don't know about wet because I have we had much wet this year? Not really. Not really. Uh, Imola, no. but obviously Imola was not raced. So yeah, um, not in race trip, think... anyway. Yeah, I think uh, in for sure they say they don't want chaos Red Bull because when you have the best car, you want clean weekends, you want to stand in front, run in front, take the points. That's Smooth ideal. Smooth as possible. When you're <laughs> winning, you don't complain that others are half a minute behind you. Of course. Uh, I still <laughs> think that looking at how much downforce they have, like they run less downforce than others and still go quicker in the corners. If they put maximum downforce, which in the wet is a huge help, they will still go fast. Uh, space will not be an issue, but indeed there is more chance that driver crashes. There is more chances 
whichever Max or Sergio or Quicker can crash together, there's much more things that can happen. So I think wet Grand Prix, I'm a big fan because they shake things up. And uh, Absolutely. I, I agree, it would probably not help Red Bull, but it would still be the quickest on pure pace. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of leaning your way on this one. Um, it depends on setup. I mean, again, it could rain in the middle of a race and that would definitely mix things up in terms of how cars are planned for the weekend because you, you're probably thinking they've set the car up for the dry. If it starts raining down, that changes everything. One problem with the take, though, is that in wet races, if it's stable enough, they will open up DRS anyway. And that mm-hmm. and that could still be a problem. If you, I'm sure you've seen Red Bull. They are 18, 20 miles an yes. hour faster it's in insane. some of those speed traps. And it's, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it as well. It's it's incredible seeing the the difference in closing speed between them and everybody else when that when that wing is open. It's it's amazing. I honestly have no idea how it's done. Uh, but once more, Red Bull has done some genius on aerodynamics, and uh, indeed, it's a big big advantage. I think if it's wet without DRS, anyways. It's tough to overtake, but a wet race in general will be much easier to, much more fun for us to watch. And for sure, it won't be as clear and as clean because there will probably be more safety cars, different strategies. If it drives up, who goes to slicks first, just opens up the window so much. And I mean, we see it in endurance. In six hours, there's just much more things happening or put 24 hours in the mall, uh, you go through everything. Sunlight, night, rain, damp, one uh, is raining in sector three, not in sector one, you know, it's and it makes things messy. And in the end, that's what makes races interesting. So, oh, yeah, like like the, the move to have less practice time and, you know, little things like that with the sprint weekends and anything that I think cuts down on preparation is bound to mix things up a little bit more. And uh, we've seen that already this season. I mean, Perez in Australia, for example, car setup was all out of whack and he was all over the place all weekend but it also made things interesting shame about max at the front winning by 20 seconds but we'll ignore that bit yeah. um, <laughs> i but, also uh, think you know the thing about having the best car and people should not forget that is when you have the best car you're confident and a good driver that is confident is everything because if you're having some doubts about what you're driving you're gonna lose two three four tenths a lap and on a weekend where Max is confident, Sergio is not, there will be a big difference, which for me was more like Miami style, where it was a big difference in terms of pace. Um, and then if you're confident and it rains, normally you go even quicker as a driver, but there's more chance to make mistakes. So that's the, the other side of it is you will probably still have to be the quickest, have the quickest car and probably being the quickest driver, but you can also put it in the wall. So <laughs> there's a bit of uh, both situations. Absolutely. Give me a number to wrap it up, Louis. How do you feel about it? Do you think do you think the rain might be enough to throw Red Bull off their game? I would give it a a three. Don't agree, but also don't disagree. If I'm, gonna, I'm thinking a safe bet. <laughs> it's a, it's a safe bet. I'm gonna say two. I've got a bad feeling Red Bull's gonna win every single race this season. I I think it's gonna take something really wacky to stop Red Bull from winning. Because even if Max Verstappen, who is probably fair to say is the best driver in the world right now, has an off weekend, Sergio Perez is good enough to win on his own. Um, and, you know, that you, you, you're going to need something to happen to both Red Bulls, exactly. realistically, for someone like maybe Fernando Alonso or maybe a Mercedes to come along and maybe steal a win and whatnot. But uh, that'll just about do it for Hot Takes Wednesday. Louis, give us give yourself a plug. The floor is yours. Tell the good people out there where they can find you. 
<laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, you can find me probably on every week in us Formula One on a different racetrack in <laughs> all championships. Uh, have all the social media you need to follow. And if you're coming by to any endurance racing I'm at, so come say hi and you're more than welcome. So it's a, a big family and we should all enjoy motorsport. Yep, um, you can follow him on Twitter at Louis De La Traz. It's exactly how you think it's spelled. You can follow him on there. Give him a WTF one bump from us involved. Louis, an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. Um, thank you for coming on. And again, thank you to the WTF one audience out there for sending in your fantastic hot takes. We'll be back after the Monaco Grand Prix next week for another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. From me, Dre Harrison, and Mr. Louis De La Traz. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll catch you guys soon. Sayonara.